I'm sorry, Taylor. I'm in Carter on Hip Hop and then I'm just on Twitter. I use Hip Hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. I'm direct to the fifth element. highlight the fifth element Hip Hop, which is knowledge. Who got the info keeping it tight? Digging. How's your week, babe? How are you listening this week? This week, man. This week, this week, this week. Well, this week, the next week's about to be crazy. Last week was, was I'll talk yeah, about that. Next, week's, next week's got some tunes. So I got some, I got into some stuff. Uh, Toby dropped new project, uh, Panic, and it's fucking amazing. It's a genuine journey from start to finish. It's, it feels to me like a real cinematic, cinematic experience. The transitions between the songs are beautiful. Um, there's some gospel stretches, there's some jazz stretches, like it's going in a whole lot of different directions and just the underlying messages are really powerful and potent. And I think Toby's just incredible on top. So please check that one out. Uh, Offset dropped his new album. There's a couple of good songs on here, but there's a lot of boring stuff. I did not really enjoy it that much. I'm not really sure what people are hearing. Um, I don't know, man. I think Offset is an incredible rapper. I really do. And I think some of the flows and cadences that he drops into and some of the pockets he finds on beats, I don't think anyone else in hip-hop can do that. I, I genuinely think he is incredibly unique in that sense. Um, but he just, for some reason or another, he doesn't want to just drop a rap, a crazy rap album like that over crazy beats. So instead we get, you know, some low-tier stuff on this project. And, and some of it's great, don't get me wrong, but... Yeah, I tweeted the other day saying that um, if Ken Carson and Westside Gun are going to drop this kind of heat, you, you're going to have to catch up. Like, you can't just drop a mid tier album on a Friday when there's a lot of heat. Especially Bad Bunny came out as well. Like, so no, no, no. It wasn't for me. I only listened to it once and I, I can't see myself going back to it. Um, Bad Bunny, aforementioned. Great. The first track is wild, man. You know, I kept expecting, like, there to be some sort of you know, uh, alone again after hours, like synth drop or like drum drop or something. Cause bad bunny is just spitting for like six minutes straight and he just keeps going and he keeps going and he keeps going. And it's fucking amazing. And I was like, well, okay, where are we going to go from here? Cause it's quite a, not a dark start to the album, but like a very serious start. And it, there's some real bangers on here, man. This is a great listen front to back. Like just put it on, just do whatever you're going to do. And it's going to manage the mood. It's it's good. It's really good. I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, his last three projects, I think, have been incredible. I really enjoy them. Ken Carson dropped, yeah, just a wall of electronic noise and just wild lyrics. I, I enjoyed it a lot. A lot of people were just confused. Um, you know, and I think it's one of those things, like it's an internet hype thing. He's around Playboy Cardi, so basically you could drop anything at this point and, and people are going to hype it up. But I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was decent. Uh, Big Baby Gucci dropped as well. I enjoyed that too. Uh, I really do think he's trying to expand himself a little bit. I think on his last project I talked about, he was rapping a lot more, um, which I really enjoyed. Not that he doesn't rap, but like really like spitting, like not auto-tuning or not, you know, getting lost in the electronic haze of the beats 
This one's a little bit in a different direction. There's a little bit more melody, more melodic stretches, and, and I enjoyed it, and I'm enjoying everything that he's doing at the moment. I think he's an adept artist, so when he's experimenting and going in different directions, I'm, I'm here for him, man. I'm enjoying it. Uh, Westside Gun. And then you pray for me. Yeah, this one's interesting. A lot of people were critical of it because of the trap beats, but like, bro, no. I think it's just fucking flames start start to finish. Westside Gun actually does not rap that much on his own projects. I didn't realize it was that low until I did the analysis. Like 21% of the lyrics on his last project, 10, came from Westside Gun. The other 79%... too much. See... I was going to send it to Charlie and be like, look, man, you're hating on Westside Gun. He's not even on his own albums. That's your proof that you don't even listen to his albums, <laughs> the fact that he's not on there at all. Like, But I, I wish he would pop up more. I do. I, I enjoy his rapping immensely. I think he's adept over pretty much any kind of production. Um, and, you know, all the guests here, I think Skate, J.I.D. was amazing. Denzel Curry was amazing. Obviously, Stove God. Stove God, to me, is just proving... I don't know, not everyone wrong, because I think everyone loves Stove God already, but, like, the diversity in, in in the way that he spits. Like, this is not a man who just has one flow, who just, like, barrels on with this one flow. We know a couple of rappers in that kind of space who do that. Stove God's got so many fucking different gears he can switch into. It's just amazing. And, you know, if the one of the legacies of... Because Westside Gunner said he's stepping back from solo work, if one of the legacies of this run of albums is that we get someone like Stove God into the mainstream or the mainstream adjacent, I think there's going to be a lot of great legacies coming out of these records and Griselda. But if that happens, then fuck yeah, man, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, let's see what else we got here. The streets, the streets, the streets. My skin had dropped. This one was weird as fuck, man, and sometimes not in a good way. Some of the beats on here... There was one that I was like, man, this sounds like a sea shanty. I don't know what's going on here. And we, the thing is, when you've got when you've got the vocals that Mike Skinner has, he's just fucking blunt and awkward, and his flow at times just sounds not right. But the way that he like creates production, because he produces his own music, the way he produces his the beats, so to complement that is like the triumph. You know, that was the triumph on his debut album. Like, it was so jarring to hear his vocals on top of these, like, garage beats. But he made it work. He made it work really well. But there are times when it does not work. Like, in 2008, he dropped Everything Is Borrowed, and there were a couple of tracks on there. It's just like, no, 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 did not work. Computer and Blues, a couple of tracks on there didn't work. So there are a few songs on here that didn't work. And, I, I you know, I'm not going to tell him what to do, but I really, really enjoy the more house dancey way that he goes. Like, the tracks of you know, much higher BPM, where shit's going crazy, um, that feels to me authentic, like, not, <laughs> that's the wrong word to use, because everything he does is authentic, but it, it feels more suited to him, I think, because that's what I gravitated towards on his debut album, and his second album, um, so yeah, to me, I love those tracks, and I was kind of hoping he was going to go more and more in that direction, but he sounds like he's getting a little bit more existential in some some of these tracks. So yeah, man, look, it was a it was a weird mix. That's a that's a weird word salad because the album was just weird. Like it was hard for me to get my head around fully. Uh, but I'm always fucking here, man. There's a, there's always gems on a Mike Skinny album. He's gonna drop lyrical gems. Whether you enjoy the production he's rapping over or not, or you enjoy his flow or not, you're gonna enjoy his lyrics. I reckon. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. So yeah, shout out Mike Skinner. And finally, last one, Buck sixty five dropped a project. 
um, one of my favorite rappers of all time. And yeah, it was really disappointing. It was disappointing. Some of the beats on there were not great at all. And just lyrically, I felt like he... It should have been a mixtape. He used to do these things called Dirt Bike, the Dirt Bike series, and they were just kind of throwaways where, but they were brilliant. But I don't know, this project it felt like he was trying to get a message across, but then most of the time the lyrics were just inane and, and didn't really mean anything. And, and for me, Buck 65 has always been someone who I gravitate towards for meaning and poetry and depth and, and layers. And to get an album like this so late in his career, um, yeah, it was disappointing. So yeah, man, maybe I need more listens. I don't know. Anyway, that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, plenty of uh, good stuff this week. Um, start off with uh, B. Anderson, spelled B. A. Anderson. Um, the classroom of silence. Um, I saw a live as um part of a showcase. Um, shout out to the I think it was the Blues Project. Yeah, I think it was the Blues Project. Shout out to them. Um, doing great stuff over there and um. Yeah, I was uh, reading it too, just um, her live. She was, uh, you know, good voice, good solid um, lyrics and everything else. Um, just, you know, just one of uh, one of many um, great uh, upcoming artists um, in the UK R&B scene. And um, more of the same here. I think this is a very good EP, very solid. Um, really enjoyed pretty much, pretty much start to finish, you know, six tracks. Uh, how much? Uh, a, about, ni- about 19 minutes overall. Picture Perfect's um, really good track. Jord's on Astronomical is really good. I like Mirror Mirror as a subject matter. Um, and the connection of Inner Child to the last track, Goodbye, um, is uh, very good as well. So, yeah, it ties in very nicely and gives this nice full circle uh, moment um, with its, uh, in its entirety. So, yeah, shout out to B. Anderson on that one. Banger. Um, Rosewood Swing and to Varus Jordan, Time Don't Stop for No Man. Um, big fan of Tavares Jordan production. Um, ever since last year, listened to that uh collab project he did with Jazzy Shavers, who also dropped recently. Um, Carolina Souls EP, and um, yeah, I've never listened to Rosewood Swing as an as a as a rapper. Um, but uh, I'm here for Tavares Jordan beats. Um, so for give it a spin. Um, kind of kind of gives off this um. Uh, kind of like currency Mussolini kind of vibe thing going on. Uh, kind of Larry Junish, you know. What I mean, got that kind of vibe going on. Um, I would say the uh, you know, deliveries much different towards those three, but in terms of just like I don't know, kind of like a mishmash of all three of those in some in some way. Um, but yeah, very interesting uh, records to this too. Nice EP. Um, shout out to Varus Jordan on the boards. Uh, Jay Worthy, Kamaya, Harry Fraud, The American Dream with a three in it. Um, yeah, solid records. Um, good features all around. Uh, Guap Dad 4000 and Buddy on Pressure. I really enjoyed that. Ty Dollar Sign and Pull Up. Really good. Uh, Dram as well on Ragtop Riches. Um, I think um, Harry Fraud took the, took the W on this one for me. I feel like his production was just really solid throughout. Um, really crisp. Um, and I don't know, I just feel it was, uh, the performance of Kamaya and Jay Worthy was kind of just fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't really not much fireworks on their side. Um, but yeah, I just feel like, um, the Harry Fraud production really just, uh, really just took the, took the light for me personally as I was listening. So, uh, shout out to Harry Fraud. Um, Jaden Clover, spelled J-A-Y-D-O-N-C-L-O-V-E-R. Uh, Room Service, question mark, volume two. 
is obviously volume two on top of her uh, volume one EP of Room Service, which dropped last year and I think was on my EP list, if I remember correctly. Really enjoy her artistry, really enjoyed her, really enjoy her vibe and uh, more of the same on this one. Um, really just a nice, calm, uh, very uh, kind of like subdued, I guess, in, in some ways, uh, especially production production wise has a subdued attitude to it, towards it. Um, but she has a nice voice overall and uh, really good, nice, uh, what's the word, um, uh, I guess subject matter, to put it to put it succinctly. Um, Am I Stupid is probably fav- my favourite track out of the bunch. Um, Hurts Like Heaven Hell as well. Um, it's good as well. So yeah, uh, may or may not see her live next next month. Um, I think it's 2nd November she's in London, so I might give her, might give her a look on that front, depending on how other things go. Um, but yeah, man, regardless, um, shout out to Jaden Clover, uh, one of my faves at the moment. Um, Sola, spelled S-O-L-A, um, Warped Soul. Um, I saw her perform, um, along with her friend of 5e, Treasure Bloom, um, I think a couple of days ago at Selfridges and I just really, uh, yeah, just, just looked her up and, um, uh, she has some good stuff. So I was, I was like, let me just listen to the album that she dropped this year. And um, her voice, oh my gosh, so nice, so deep, really just, you know, just got that diaphragm all up in there, you know what I mean, straight from the belly, um, and I love that, um, it's really good. Reminds me of um, Friend of Five Echoes as well, um, love her voice, might be seeing her live action next couple of weeks, um, but yeah, just reminds me of her in some way, um, I think the uh, past, past the vocal um, depth um, I feel like uh, their music is very, very much different. Um, but, you know, listen to something like When I Feel Sane and Weak and you're just going to get it. You're just going to get it immediately. Um, they are just absolutely top tier tracks. And uh, the album itself is pretty solid. Um, you know, 31 minutes um, overall, nine tracks. Really solid little album right there. Uh, Crisis and Kel, Destined for Greatness. Um, another one where I was just purely driven by... Who's on the boards for this one? Love me some Crisis Beats. Haven't listened to Kel before, um, but that was an interesting, uh, uh, I guess, uh, connection there. Um, but yeah, it's a really solid album. Can't complain. Um, Crisis Beats slap. Kel's pretty decent on the lyrics. Uh, 22 minutes overall. Solid DP. Uh, the Hoodies and the Kid Capri uh, on Hidden Gems. Uh, Kid Capri on the production for this one which is a rarity don't get uh, much capri production these days but here we are um love me some hoodies um uh, really good new york duo um just and sound in new york like, you know i mean just new york you know what i mean and it's got that got that nicer guttural essence that we know and love uh top of my top tier track uh and i think i think ride with you as well let me show you it's good stuff who am i at the end Really good stuff, and um, yeah, really solid down. Shout to the hoodies and the Capri. Uh, Gotts Street Park, spelled G-O-T-T-S Street Park, uh, on the inside. Um, really interesting uh, group. I just kind of saw that they were going to drop an album, and I was just like, screw it, let's just give it a listen. Um, they did some tracks with Celeste as part of a deluxe edition of Not Your Muse a few years ago. Um, so I went off that and, you know, it's pretty solid. Um, the overall album is really good. Really like the vibe of it. Got this nice, uh, got this, got this nice calm flow to it. In essence, it's a jazz album. 
Um, but you know, you can you can quibble with that. Um, great features, Pit Millet on Got to Be Good. Love that track. Really nice, really smooth track. Um, any mountains, Pit Millet again on Fall for Love, really nice. Um, Olive Jones on Tell Me Why. Um, and past that, you know, they're they're uh, they're solo tracks, so to speak, in um, you know, stuff like uh, Fuego, really good track, uh, Walk Away at the end. I like Are You Still a Friend as well with the Flicker um, on the features as well. That's a really good one. But yeah, really nice, smooth album to listen to. I mean, uh, if, you're not, if you're not into like, uh, if you find jazz, quote unquote jazz, to be, you know, really loud and, you know, just all over the place, I think this one is just very nice, very composed, and I think very easy to get into. So um, please give us a bit. Uh, Jamila Woods, uh, Water Made Us, um, obviously been a few years uh, since she has dropped overall. Um, Legacy Legacy was her last album, 2019. Really enjoyed that album. Uh, really enjoyed the essence of that album and the subject matter especially. Um, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of female focused on that one. Um, you know, this one's a little bit different. Um, I think the kind of kind of reminds me of something like Mariba in that way. Um where she's just kind of going alternative um, R&B, right? And the production kind of answers that question as well. Um, but her voice is still nice, um, really good, interesting, thought-provoking lyrics, um, and some interesting uh, interludes to go in between. Uh, but yeah, man, really solid album, can complain, solid listen. Um, and lastly, the streets, the darker, the shadow, the brighter, the light. Um, I kind of agree with Ben, pretty much echoing what he said, um, you know, there are times when, you know, uh, my Skinner, uh, excuse me, my Skinner can kind of just, I think, I feel like he goes into every album to just do something completely different, yet the same, if that makes any sense, I can't really describe that, you just have to listen to understand it, um, if you know you know kind of thing, and I feel like that's what The Streets is, it's a, if you know you know kind of thing, um, and yeah, I feel, you know, there was a lot of times where I was just listening to it and my I, my ears were just pricked to it, but just not for the right reasons. I was just like, what's going on here? Why is what's this production? What's, what is this? Why am, why am I getting this vibe right now? It's, it's really weird. Um, and then just goes somewhere completely different and then completely different again. And, you know, that happens for every album he does. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, just, uh, just the, I guess the choice is weren't hitting for me personally overall um and that's kind of just that's just what you get with the streets you know what i mean sometimes it when it hits it hits when it doesn't it is what it is like you know it's it's the dude's experimental for the sake of being experimental and uh you know that's why that's why we love him um that's why we love him and uh you know some but sometimes it doesn't succeed and uh, i feel like this one is just one of those times where it just didn't really hit overall um, you know, there's a couple of tracks in there, but there's just uh, yeah, just the overall production decisions I just really wasn't into, and it kind of took me out of the album, honestly, to the point where I wasn't actually. Um, I had to I had to make an attempt to actually listen to the lyrics and try and get over the hump of, you know, getting over the production. Um, but sometimes I was kind of a bit of too big an ask. Um, but anyway, with that said, we shall hop into. Um, our third um, UK BHM retrospective and is in the solo aspect of uh, one Lisa Mafia who he talks about briefly well in at points uh, during 
uh, last episode as member of the So Solid crew. Uh, but she also had her own solo work, um, including, well, one specific album, um, which, you know, I feel vindicated. Um, we'll get to the album, but I feel I feel vindicated in a lot of ways. Um, but, um, you know, Lisa Mafia um, went her own way and uh, produced some interesting results. Um, I guess, and uh, her career overall. So uh, that's it, Ben. What have you got for us? Yeah, interesting career indeed. So the queen of UK garage, Lisa Mafia, uh, pivotal figure in So Solid Crew, and actually became supremely influential not just in music, but as an actress, as a fashion designer, as a model, as a presenter. Of all the members of So Solid Crew, I feel like you could comfortably argue Lisa Mafia utilize the attention that the group got the best i think you know we ended last week episode with a quote from her regarding the reformation of the crew in the mid 2010s and she spoke of the immaturity that she felt drove the group apart in the early 2000s um she left the group after their second album and embarked on a solo musical career which didn't actually take either um despite having a top two single with all over so her perspective on uh, so solid crew was actually really interesting to me um and we spoke about it a lot last week at the end there and you know i think that that will become more clear as we go through this episode as to why she felt that way so even though her music career didn't really pop off she was entirely undeterred and over the past 20 years she's carved out her own space in the mainstream british entertainment world with reality shows acting designing modeling um you know she may arguably have been the biggest export from the group until top boy took off worldwide and propelled asher into mainstream ubiquity like you'd be hard pressed to find people who don't know who he is if you you know show them a picture they'd be like this is the shane it's the shane like so i feel like he's kind of progressed past that but only very recently you know and her starting so solid crew came as simply as many others did via that estate in Battersea, despite being regularly objectified by FHM and magazines of that ilk during the mid 2000s. Uh, Lisa, as Charlie pointed out last week, um, big up the lad mags. Yeah. <laughs> so Lisa Mafia actually told the guardian, uh, in like 2004, I think it was that she wasn't into little skirts and hairdos, which is a, cr- a direct quote. Instead, she said she was more interested in tracksuits and trainers and hanging out with guys because girls were, again, in her words, bitchy. So she was so close to Mega Man that she was on a first name basis with his grandmother. So she was, you know, well entrenched in in that in that estate and her up bringing she said was difficult but nourishing she told the guardian that she chose to stay local with her daughter after she blew up simply because she much prefers the community feel of a place like battersea knowing your neighbors looking out for one another whilst her words about so solid crew are often tarnished by the toxicity of what came after their first album her love of her surroundings and the people she grew up with has never once wavered in interviews that i've seen and so her story is actually really fascinating during the 2004 guardian interview they introduced her like this this is how they introduced her 2004 in the guardian by the way in the photos she looks model model beautiful but in the flesh she is messy around the edges her teeth not quite straight her happy energy unsuited to the glazing effect of pr that sounds shocking and i doubt very yeah, much very yeah uh, <laughs> try try writing a headline or an opening yeah. like that for the guardian in 2023 it, it wouldn't yeah. it would fl- no one would be allowed to write like that like that's just yeah. need, need, need some editing on that. <sighs> heavy editing bro but it, i think it does highlight this divide between 
what the media tried to turn her into and who she really was at her core. So if you Google Lisa Mafia, as Charlie did last week, plenty of tabloid fodder. Daily Mail snapping her in bikinis and outlets covering her breast reduction or her appearing at FHM's 100 Sexiest Women Party. There's a 2008 article in Flavor Mag which proudly proclaims she's currently working on a sexy calendar. A sexy calendar, bro. Sexy, a calendar that's also sexy. You know, it's just, it's unique. So this is the second paragraph. people still buy that kind of shit now. Like, I'm sure people do. Canada's in general, but like, do people still buy a sexy calendar? Oh, I mean, come on now. People are sad, man. People are sad. Like, if you enter, if you enter somebody's house and they have a quote unquote sexy calendar, you leave their anything, house. Just, yeah, it's just it's just a red flag in it. <laughs> you immediately exit their house. It's just a red flag. Like, if you got a football team calendar, then like I could kind of forgive you, but like, just anything below that kind of level of of like you know organized sport mm. Dana chief uh, yeah it's a red flag it's a heavy red flag so in that flavor magazine i want to read this because i mean again i think this highlights just where she was after her music career and and where she ended up the 28 year old former first lady of so solid now has a single deal with universal and is gearing up to release her yet unnamed sophomore album the petite star exclusively reveals to Annie, Anika Allen sorry, secrets about the So Solid crew, her boob job, and the night she was found in bed with a killer, looking stunning in a little black dress. With each sultry pose to the camera, it's hard for you to not notice that Lisa's fantastic boobs stand out on her tiny six size 6 frame. They're natural, baby, she states through a fit of laughter. I feel like I'm reading like a novel from the 70s. Like, it's just nasty behavior. Like, it's just super fucking nasty. So, in other interviews, she's far more down to earth. You know, she's not the mythical giggling bimbo outlets were trying hard to push her into the limelight. I don't understand. You know, she's a deep thinker and someone who was deeply hurt by what happened with So Solid Crew and how the events preceding their debut album hurt her career almost fatally. In the 2004 Guardian piece, um, they opened with... Go easy on gun questions, I am told, before meeting Lisa Mafia, who was tired for answering for the act tired of answering for the actions of her fans and fellow band members. And you know, even in this piece, literally interviewing a member of the group, the writer, Emma Brox, couldn't resist taking a swing at the group. And this was the other thing that she was fighting against at the same time. So in these interviews, it's really interesting because you know, we spoke last week about how critical mainstream press was of So Solid Crew. Um, and you know, like just conservative press was just like these guys are criminals or they're thugs we've got to get rid of them like just so stupid and short-sighted and dumb so even in this guardian that that's the problem lisa mafia wanted to criticize her group in the sense that she felt like they'd hampered her career and held her back but at the same time she wanted to support her group in the face of people saying really stupid shit so i'll read this quote the 30, 35 strong groups still present themselves as dopey teens who have been unfairly punished by the media for the sins of an entire underclass and the people who put them there at the end of last year i met another crew member Keish, real name shane who was bashful and evasive only condemning his colleague scat d for assaulting a fan when absolutely forced to 
In Mafia's absence, her manager can be heard talking to him on the phone. Top right hand corner, scat C, that's your sort code. I'm getting them to send you the forms and make it really simple. So the only reason you include that quote is to just act like this guy's stupid. But there's no context. What are you talking about? Like sort code? What are they even? This was the kind of thing that Lisa Mafia constantly got because if she criticized the group in interviews, the mainstream press would be like, oh yeah, fuck so solid crew. And then they just dive in on that. And so it was really difficult for her. And I can, I can feel that. And you can feel this judgment and the superiority complex just oozing out of every word in that paragraph. And, you know, Lisa Mafia was, it was, she was in such a tough position. And, you know, the group was like essential to her because at age 18, Mafia had her daughter, Chelsea. And at the time, all she had to her name was a job at a shoe shop being paid 45 pounds a week and an acceptance into college to study photography, which was a position she was never able to fully pursue because she didn't have enough money to buy the equipment to actually take the classes. So her desire to transcend So Solid Crew went far beyond any need for stardom or limelight. She told The Guardian that whilst many of her fellow members were happy to go back to the streets after the collapse of the group, she never felt that was the path that was right for her. Whilst the writer tries to box her into criticism of her former group members, she's really measured. You know, she says that she doesn't agree with their actions all the time and she's upset at how they have her, her career, but she wholly acknowledges the inevitability of their situations. If you're raised around crime and poverty through no fault of your own, it becomes part of you or a small part of you at least, then it doesn't take much for you to slip back into it. And it's really interesting they mentioned Asha D in this interview going to prison for gun possession, right? Along with G-Man, which in turn actually made it difficult for Lisa Mafia to even book shows after So Solid Crew were banned nationwide because of the threat of violence. And, you know, Top Boy was a study in just how much your surroundings can influence and shape your entire life. And the perpetual question coming out of the final episode of that show for me comes via Kano and Asha D's conversation about how complicit they were in their own downfall. Because, you know, Sully is hesitant to take accountability, although he's open to it. And Deshane is just lost. He's entirely intoxicated and incapable of self-reflection. And, you know, in fact, I think Jack's change of heart in the final season is actually pretty closely aligned with how Lisa Mafia chose to end this Guardian interview in 2004. She says, so what question would she like to uh, like the rule makers to ask if they come down to Battersea to see it for themselves? Mafia considers for a moment. They need to go up to the drug dealers and say, what did you actually want to be doing with your life? Because a lot of the questions that she gets and a lot of the interviews that she gives around this time, she's talking about just the context around So Solid Crew. She became almost the spokesperson um, where Mega Man, you know, he went to prison. He wasn't as easily interviewed. She became the spokesperson, and and that was a really difficult position to be put in. But um, yeah, man, I think she handled it really, really well. I really do. And that transition in the mid, in the early two thousands from so solo career into a solo career, you felt like it should have been easy, but it was actually quite difficult. But anyway, we get her first and her only album, First Lady. If you wanted to talk about her story and then the album, Charlie. Yeah, and um, you know, I feel like this is kind of just um, uh, one large example of how uh, of how mainstream media can actually, you know, just completely derail a career. Um, you know, the end of this album is clearly angled to be, you know, uh, one of 
something else, you know what I mean? And it was supposed to, it was clearly supposed to be a second one uh, by the end of this album. And I feel like it's explicitly just, um, is it, is is implied by the end of it um, in my mind that, you know, second album's coming, already cooking, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and from what you were saying, all I was getting was just, you know, this is how the media can be at some point. It's like they can they can overhype somebody to you know for someone like um, and I'm not saying Arlo Parks is overhyped by the way, but there was a time when Arlo Parks dropped and you know she got the Mercury Prize, she got you know a bunch of accolades and you know well deserved. Um, but you know I felt like that even even when they were overhyping, they did it wrong. Um, because they were putting her in this, they were putting Arlo in this kind of box of um, not really. I mean, shit. There was there was some places that were like you know calling her hip hop, and just they just clearly didn't listen to the music. Like they didn't, they clearly just didn't know who she was. They just saw a black girl, and they just thought hip hop or R and B, right? But la di da, she does indie <laughs> and and uh, indie adjacent uh, works, right? la di it's as if, you know, you should just listen to the fucking music. Um, I remember Rachel Chinariri had this um, thread on Twitter just um, really nailing this kind of attitude home where, you know, they see they see someone and they just and they just assume, you know, oh, black equals R&B or hip hop or grime or drill, um, any of that. Right. And they don't actually take the time to, you know, put in the work. And I feel like, you know, So Solid and Lisa Maffrey especially um, were just kind of put into this box and they couldn't get out of it. And the times where they could, where they even, you know, merely attempted um, to, you know, criticise um, their own or themselves in some way, um, it would event- inevitably lead um, to just a ravenous um, piling on um by the mainstream media to the point where it just didn't seem where it's just uncalled for at that point and it's like you know okay so they know they they're aware of their issues like and you know when you mentioned um asking asking the question to drug dealers like what well, what did you want to do you know that's always something i think about where um <laughs> when you when you ask like a kid you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like every kid's asked that at some point in their life, right? Nobody says drug dealer, bro. Nobody, nobody. They say footballer, they say rapper, they say YouTuber, they say astronaut. You know, just cool shit. <laughs> they, they, they don't say drug dealer. None of them say that, right? So what does that tell you? Um, the the people that do it are at at minimum subject to their environment. Um, and you know, it's the same when it comes to uh, the members of So Solid and, you know, I feel like Lisa Mafia had this, um, I think mature head on her shoulders. Um, maybe it was just, you know, being a young mother at that point, you know, really just can open your eyes at that, uh, that kind of thing. And just, you know, why would I, (laughs) there's, there's no way I can go back because that's not, that's not good for that's not good for my youth. So why would I why would I even think about going back after the after the group's disbanded? You know, just got to try and do something else and try and make something out of you, uh, out of yourself. Um, again, to the album, um, there's a no no smooth segue about it. Um, 
I feel vindicated because I said at the end, uh, well, the second for the second album, the second So Solid Crew, um, that it just I feel just went completely Americanized, and yeah, again I feel vindication because <laughs> this album is so two thousand. <laughs> Oh, it's so 2000s. It's absurd. It's crazy how fucking 2000s this is. And again, for those who don't know, I say 2000s is fucking weird. As a regular inside joke here, um, to the point where um, I don't even know whether it's positive or negative anymore, because um, it's just a neutral thing that I feel like most people that grew up in the 2000s um, can firmly agree that that whole decade was just fucking weird. And musically... Um, it's just, you just listen to some records like this, um, like First Lady, and you just, you just feel the 2000s dripping off it. You just feel the, um, you just feel the Trackmaster vibes off, off it all. Um, there was only like one track where I felt like it actually went to the UK in, 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 in terms of my ear, and it just felt like a UK track. Um, I think that was out of my life, um, and you could say the same for Nightcrawler uh, Night as well, I guess in some ways. But for the rest of them, holy shit! You could have, you could have put um, anybody on these tracks um, from the two thousands, and it would have worked. You know, what I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, I mean, the notable track all over that you mentioned, obviously, Child, is so two thousands. It's absolutely amazing. It's great. It's so great. It's, I'm I'm glad it charted because it really felt like one of those tracks where you listen to it and the hook is so fucking good. You know, just every time, Lisa. Um, it's great. It makes you feel good and it really reminds you of those kinds of two thousands ass tracks like um. I don't know, like just, just you know, with them earwormy hooks, you know. What I mean, you may not care about the whole song overall, but just how it makes you feel, you know. What I mean, it's nice, um, you know. Everybody in the club getting tipsy. It's just, you know, it's it's not a great song, but the beat slaps and it's catchy. It's earwormy. It's great. Big pimpin' spending cheese. It's it's catchy. It's earwormy, right? Um, and I feel like that's just a hallmark of 2000s music where, you know, even even now I get when you get to like a modern pop these days, I feel like something that pop suffers from. Um, not that I, you know, not that I look for modern pop <laughs> pop songs these days. Um, I feel like take don't take my word for it. Pinch of salt and all that. I feel like modern pop songs have lost that essence of like just being really catchy like the the like one I can think of off the top of my head is maybe like um uh what's that Doja Cat song of Planet Hurt um not Woman but the other one uh I think like Say So maybe that right you know what I mean like I listen to that and it's got an earwormy element to it right and I'm saying earwormy just to be basic like you know try and try and decipher what I mean from that but <laughs> but I feel like a lot of modern pop tracks lose that. When you listen to something like All Over, I feel like that's what's missing. You know what I mean? That's what's missing. Just that stupid fun. And that track has that. And I, I really respect that. Um, you know, getting to the rest of the album, I feel like, um, you know, there's, there's, there's moments where there's a, you know, there's a sincerity to it um, in terms of what she wants to talk about. And I, I respect that. Um, it's not, 
it's it, the subject matter isn't something. It, it's not like you know, so solid. Just I've got twenty one seconds. Let me just give you the best twenty one seconds I could possibly give you. You know, here's some bars. Here's me flexing. Da 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 da. I feel like you know Lisa Matthew actually attempted to put some substance. Um, not that I'm saying so solid didn't have substance, right? But you know what I mean. Um, she attempted to put some substance in this album, and I respect that. The only issue with that is, um, is that the production doesn't fit on that front. It, you can, I, I don't think the production for me, and this is retrospectively, and also this is just because I'm a, you know, a, a mid '90s kid um, who grew up in the mainly in the 2000s, properly. You know what I mean? That was my that was my formative years. So I look at the 2000s in a, in a different light than say Ben does, um, where you know he had his you know full on teenagehood right there and that's it like my my affinity for 2010 uh, to 2015 is so filled with nostalgia it's absurd like i can't i, I can barely see it objectively sometimes right um but you know i can look at the 2000s now and i'm just like what the fuck was going on there like what, what were these decisions why did everybody use that exact same thing you know what I mean? As a minor tangent, um, my sister was um, watching like one of those, um, uh, one of those like uh, com- uh, competition shows, right? But it was like tattooing, right? And they had to all tattoo this, you know, uh, you know, for brief. And every single reality show, I don't, un- or, or t- a game show from America, especially, right? They always have that, that wine, that that wine. What the fuck is that? Why do they all have it? It's so weird. And it's the same with 2000s music. They just have these production decisions where I just get confused. I'm just like, why did you all go for this? This is horrible. <laughs> I, just, I, I feel like, you know, this in, you know, the First Lady suffers from what a ton of other noughties albums suffer from, especially in the early 2000s, right? They, they just suffer from production choices that I just can't get my head around. And in hindsight, just doesn't sound good to me. Um, but like I said, it's a microcosm of an entire fucking wave of um, of musical quote unquote innovation. Okay, so I'm not putting that on her feet. Um, but vindicated for the fact that she went for it, um, and you know, in some ways it worked, right? Because I feel like it fit the brief. Um, there was a lot of uh, which one? Oh, which track was it? Um, there was one track where maybe may "Woman in the World" actually. Um, but there was one track where <laughs> it, it felt like it, it felt like she was going for like a Destiny's Child independent women, and it just it just felt like that. You know what I mean? And it didn't work because it's not independent women. And she's not Destiny's Child, right? But it is what it is. And I just feel like that's kind of, Honestly, I would love... Not to make this like... Not to, you know, wrap the whole podcast up right now. But I would love to see what Lisa Mafia as an artist would actually do now. If she, like, dropped an EP or dropped a whole album, whatever, right? Just something of, of uh, uh, some form of body of work. I would find it interesting to... A, what production choices would she make? And B, what would she and what would she uh what would she say on that front? You know what I mean? Especially subject matter wise, because um you know I feel like this is you know we've said that we've said that about a lot of people, 
um, especially you know artists that have dropped like one album or maybe two albums and haven't dropped in 20 years or whatever and I feel the same way when it comes to Lisa Mafia I feel like you know she has a lot to say on this album and probably I don't think enough um I don't think she said enough. I feel like she had more to say, um, especially when, you know, you're referencing the interviews going back to those and circling back. You know, when she's when she's talking about... Um, I feel like she can gather that the media's just doing shit, right? And the, the amount of boob mentions is absurd at this point, right? I feel, like we need, I feel like we need to have a drink every time we say boob or tit on this episode because it's kind of wild that they just constantly keep talking about it is um but uh, but i feel you know i don't i don't know i didn't look at the you know didn't lyric deep dive on here but i don't think she talked about you know that uh, that kind of um uh what's it objectification um on that front uh towards her and i feel like you know if she if she did a track about that that would be a very fascinating commentary and i feel like that would go a long way um in just making that argument and to actually bringing up that subject because I don't think if we were doing this, people don't talk about this shit. People don't talk about how tabloids were like that um, back then and still are in some ways, right? Obviously, the lead, the quote-unquote lead mags are gone, the FHMs, the Maxims, the, uh, 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 yeah, all that shit, right? They're all, they're all pretty much gone, um, gone with the wind on that front. But, um, you know, we still have the objectification just in different flows. And I don't know, I feel like she was, a, you know, obviously a victim of that. And that's very unfortunate. And, um, you know, I don't think the album um, covered as many bases as she as she could. Right. Um, and I feel like that's why a second album would have been so uh, would have been so welcomed to me, because of that, I feel like, uh, yeah, there's a lot more that she could have said on that front, but, you know, I've ran it, but overall, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very 2000s album, that's, that's all I can say about it. Yeah, it very much is, and I was very thankful for that, because I was like, I'm, I'm like you with the 2010 to 2015, bro, 2001 to 2006, no, no, not objective at all, biased, you, you could not ask me if an album is good from that time period because I would not be able to tell you. I'll be like, I love those albums. And you'd just be like, they're shit. <laughs> I don't care, bro. They sound the same. It sounds so great. So anyway, she got signed. Um, she got signed straight out of the gate, actually, after So Solid Crew. And she jumped into the mainstream immediately. Uh, all over, number two in the UK, number nine in Scotland, number four in Netherlands, a chart of worldwide. Song actually came out before her deal with Epic um, on the same label So Solid Crew were releasing via. So they went all out on the promo for the album. She worked with Christina Aguilera, Ashanti, Ja Rule, Daniel Benningfield, Blue. But the album did not feature any big name guests outside of some of her fellow So Solid Crew members. And I only made it to number 44 on the UK chart. Didn't even receive an international release until the next year when Epic took over. Um, but the album was enough for her to be named Best UK Garage Act at the 2003 MOBO Awards, something that she said was slightly funny because only half the album is garage, in her words. The other half she calls R&B. Yeah, that's, that's, put, that's putting it strongly. Very strongly. Like, I didn't feel that way at all. I didn't feel like there was heaps of garage in it, to be honest. It felt more Americanized in terms of the production, in terms of like where the early 2000s was going. It felt like something the Neptunes would have put out. So, you know, look, I enjoy the album immensely, simply 
simply for the nostalgia and the throwback. I think she's incredible at delivering hooks. Um, and I, I do think that the album suffers from not having a sophomore album. Do you know what I mean? Because I think she needed to do well on this album. This was her first album out the gate. She needed to do well commercially. So we got a lot of poppy stuff. We got a lot of the stuff that we're expecting to get in interviews. You know, they're not not as bad as, you know, how big are your breasts on your size six frame? Not stupid like that. But, you know, I, I didn't feel like, when I listen to her speak in interviews or read her interviews, she's clearly a very deep thinker and she clearly had to grow up very quickly. She had a had her daughter when she was very young uh, under difficult circumstances. She was not earning a lot of money. She was struggling. And this gave her a lot of perspective. And I feel like it gave her, you know, when you have a child, I've not got a child, but I've seen other people have it. It just changes your life entirely. Like that child is the, the number one and everything else comes two, three, four, five, everything after that. You are not number one anymore at that point. And that's what I feel like with Lisa Mafia during your interviews. It's like, she wants to succeed because she wants to provide for her daughter, because she wants to provide for her family. So, you know, all of her friends in So Solid Crew are running around doing silly things, you know, getting into a bit of trouble. Um, she wanted, I don't want to do that because I, she wanted So Solid Crew to continue and be successful. So that's why this album hurts me a little bit because, I don't know, I... I I, I fully admire her her hustle and her grind to transition from this not ever being another thing, never dropping another album into still being successful in the mid-2000s. But it is disappointing because I do think, as I said, the first album suffers from the fact there's no sophomore album. We don't get to see any growth, any progression. We don't get to see where she would have ended up, uh, what kind of content she really wanted to put out. Um, and it's just a bit disappointing in that sense. I enjoy the album immensely. I really do. I think it's a solid list in front to back. I think she's a great singer. She's a great rapper. She's incredibly talented. And it's just disappointing. It's disappointing that it ended there. And, you know, according to the label, it didn't sell what it was meant to do. Lisa Mafia has said that she was happy with how much it was selling and she was a bit confused that the whole thing happened the way it did. She actually told Flavor Mag, though, that once she was dropped from the label, this was back in the early 2000s, right after she was dropped, she said that it allowed her to go her own way and pursue her career on her terms. So a bidding war for her signature ensued, and she ended up signing with Universal to begin work on her unnamed sophomore album. That never came. Instead, she embarked on a career of pretty seemingly random things, like she came second in Channel 4's sporting reality competition, The Games, in 2005 no idea what that is she created her own record label mafia records she toured extensively with romeo uh, but it wasn't easy she told headliner mag in 2017 she was searched for guns when she tried to enter venues and the violence of the group followed her musical career especially in the live arena and she alluded numerous times to struggling to book shows because of the negative connotations of the group um, she actively chose to leave the group behind aside from romeo she told headliner at that point, I was seven years deep, and I then opened up my own label, signed this group called North Star. They went number one in the Channel U charts. No, I don't know what that is. I did it all off my own back, getting them gigs, and I even brought them along with me as I did my modeling overseas. In the same period, I opened up my own agency, was touring with Romeo, and was island hopping. So I kind of never really saw the gap after So Solid Finish. I already had so many things going on. And I feel like that that was entirely by design. You know, Lisa Mafia just, she never stopped working. Even when she was not dropping music, she was in front of cameras, she was modeling, she went overseas, she worked over there. 
um, yeah, she just she has never stopped working. In the late 2010s, she actually did release a new song, uh, and there was a plan for an album. Uh, she actually said she was intentionally trying to bring Garage back. So you know, you said at the start, like, what would a Lisa Mafia album sound like now? You know, she that's what she said. She said she loved the direction of grime, but she said it felt quite gritty. It didn't have the en- the same energy of Garage, and nothing really ended up eventuating from that. And so it's kind of one of those stories, man. It just kind of peters out in terms of that. I do think that there may be music at some point in the future, but. I feel like if she had begun dropping at the end of 2010 or maybe like 2009, right when the hip house trend was exploding in the US, I do think that she would have been successful and I do think that she would have had a a second win for her musical career. But maybe the damage that was done by the mainstream British press, and we know, you know, people outside of Australia and Britain probably don't understand how toxic that press actually is. Like, it is really fucking nasty. They go at celebrities, and I mean really go at them. They really try to bring them down a lot of the time. And they do it in Australia a little bit, but it's nowhere near as bad as the UK. And I'm not saying they were trying to bring Lisa Mafia down, but they were dragging her into all the negative things that they were saying about So Solid Crew. And they were focusing on objectifying her. You know, they were like putting her up on a thing and just saying, you're a sex symbol. That's all you are. Let's objectify you. And that makes it really difficult for her. That puts her in a really awful position, especially in terms of a second album, because any label that I feel she was going to sign with, they were just going to be like, all right, put the sexy R&B tracks on here and let's do sexy, sultry photo shoots and like... You know what it was like in the 2000s, man. It was it was nasty as fuck, and I think that that really hampered her. And I don't know what else she could really have done. To me, this is one of those stories where I look at it and I'm like, what else? Where could she? Have, what else could she have done? It almost felt like she was typecast into this this role. And even though in interviews, like even the interviewers say, oh, this is not really who she is in real life. She walks in, she doesn't look like you know, et cetera, et cetera. But then they still say, yeah, but she's this sexy model. It's like, what are you talking about? You just literally told me she isn't that person and now you're telling me she is? Like, yeah, it was, it was just weird. So I don't know, man. I wonder what you think, Charlie. Like, do you, th- do you feel like she was just stuck and she was just completely funneled into this and she had no real way out of it? Uh, so on... Um before that um i don't know why you wouldn't i don't know why uh i thought you'd know what channel U is but <laughs> oh, i never heard it uh, ch- channel U is, or ch- or channel aka um two there was two names for it in this lifespan um was basically just like a tv channel music channel and it just focused on british grime specifically um from like 03 to 2018 um so literally just ask any rapper in that time in that time span um about channel u or channel aka and they will give you a story about channel u and aka uh because they they were literally like you know in the same way sbtv came through and they started doing obviously the you know just the uh grainy video freestyles and those started popping off or lord of the mics that kind of stuff um those videos in the same way those helped artists get up and pop off locally, um, Channel U and AKA were lit- was literally just like the main 
a, a really good source, you know, to to get those eyes on the up. Like so, you know, ask Tiny Temper, ask Tinchy Strider, ask even Dizzy Rascal, Cheer, Bretfree Two, ask them all, right, about what it is, and they'll give you a good shout on it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the legend, legendary channel, legendary channel, shout out to uh, channel U slash AK. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, answer your question, it, it definitely. Um, I feel you know they they. They clearly derailed her and put her in a box, and she couldn't get out of it. That's in some in some sense. Like every time she tried to do something she wanted to do, um, there was a there was just a friction towards her, um, and it was literally for just being in the same airspace as a few other people, and that's unfair. Um, you know, I feel there are sometimes uh, well. Even with that said, sometimes there are people where if you're in the same space as, you know, this person, then I'm going to look at you funny. Like, I mean, I'm just going to look at you sideways. You know, we've we've talked about how um, uh, we, we, we talked about how, like, you know, artists hang out with this person and I'm and we're just like, why are you doing that? You know, what I mean, like how everybody like, oh God, like how a lot of rappers still fuck with Dave Chappelle. And it's just cringe. It's just cringe to look at. Like, seeing them with a photo, and they're just, like, all ganged up. And I'm like, why is he there? Like, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's, so, it's so annoying. They, and I don't feel, no, I, I don't think they critique Dave Chappelle. I don't think they challenge him on anything, because they don't care. It's Dave Chappelle, right? I And that's, I get it, right? Whatever, do you, right? But in the same way we can, we collectively side-eye, you know, the likes of, Talib Kweli or even Yassine Bey, right? To to constantly fuck with Dave Chappelle, right? Uh, whilst we side eye that, that's just that's just us looking at it, right? This is mainstream media looking at So Solid Crew, looking at the whole uh, genre. To be fair, um, and just feeling a type of way about it, right? And the fact that Lisa Mafia couldn't get out of that airspace is really sad. Um, I truly feel like it just it was to her detriment um, in any, every fashion. Um, I, I I don't know what the label issue was on obviously getting that second album out. Um, but I I feel like everything outside of that um, was just media manipulated or media you know fanning the flames of something that they created. You know what I mean? I re- sure gun charges right calm did she, was she ever put on those gun charges right so 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 why do you keep mentioning it to her uh, what was it after two when she started touring with romeo in that like that's years down the line and you're still mentioning that they, they're still getting they're still getting friction from doing live shows are you serious what are we doing here grow up you know what i mean it's really it's it that's just disappointing. It's just disappointing to see that, um, to see you know the live li- live music scene, and you know um, there was a there was a time where um, the live music scene in the UK was very uh, combative um, to black artists, especially. Um, there was like a police form that they had to they had to fill out. I forget the form. It was I think it was like nine nine six three or something. It was it was like, it was like odd. It was like yeah, form some th- form three numbers. I forget the number, but um, yeah, th- and that was to the detriment of 
live venues and then they had to make you know the decision of just like oh do i just cut this artist off or like uh but then i won't have a show and it was just like you know it was, it was stuck between a rock and a hard place right and you know the fact that artists suffered over that kind of stuff and probably still do I, I, it's, it's not talked i don't see it being talked about um, in recent years, but you know, maybe it still is. Who knows? I mean, especially maybe like draw artists, I guess. Um, but yeah, you know, they always—that's the issue. They always, to this day, face that issue of if you had a moment of being in the airspace of someone who maybe you did, you know, allegedly did a crime or whatever. Um, that shit's gonna follow you for for whatever reason. And we know the answers because we've mentioned them a couple of t- a couple of times here. Is you know, it's is people just it's it's media um it's it's media painting a picture of like ooh demon black kids ooh doing stuff ooh um and it's just sad at this point. It's just really sad to watch them still stoke those kind of flames. Um and yeah. Anyway, not to get on my not to get my soapbox because uh, it's just very easy to get on that. Um, but yeah, answering your question, definitely. Um, yeah, I feel like you know she. I don't think she had a chance. Um, as much as she tried to do things independently, um, maybe she was good at that. Maybe she wasn't. I don't know. Um, but clearly, out the outside forces clearly didn't want to help her, help her on any front, um, and that's just disappointing to to have that. Yeah, I agree. I agree entirely. It's um, yeah, it's disappointing, but yeah, man. It's but yeah, Lisa Mafia's listening. You know, please shout out Lisa Mafia. Honestly, I'd like that second album. <laughs> this is actually the exact one for the two thousands, preferably not. But you know, something, something just you know, what's on your mind? Please, I'd love to. I'd love to know. You know, I'd, I'd love to see what she, what she would cook these days. Um, if if you know if if, if uh, somebody. I'm sure she has a. I'm sure she has numbers. You know what I mean. I'm sure she can call a friend to get a friend, get some studio time. I'm sure she can do it. Um, I hope she has the. I don't know what would hold her back at this point. Um, but if there is, I please. Hopefully, um, there's there's no friction on that front, and it's just a matter of you just getting in the studio and doing it. I'd love to see that. Um, just as a as a as a pure interest in. Obviously, now that we've done covered her and her career on on that front, um, it'd be very interesting to see what she says, uh, she, see what she has to say on uh, on wax these days. For real, agree. And with that said, we shall leave it there. And up to a low note, if you've ever been for Ben, yeah, man, going. Shall I call Earl. you when? Because of the W's you've been getting. Jeez, w, big W's. <laughs> so, so W's they've been stacking up this weekend. They've been stacking up. So I'm going to Earl Sweatshirt tonight. And then South by Southwest Sydney next week. So apparently it's the first time South by Southwest has ever been outside of the States. I was not aware of that. But um, yeah, man, got Platinum Pass. So we're just going into whatever the fuck we want to go into. It's going to be like a like little, I don't know, it's like a fairground. There's just music, there's films, there's fucking games, there's all sorts of shit. So it's going to be like just a massive full-on week. It's going to be a lot of late nights. Um, and also I'm working with LaRange, friend of the show, LaRange, uh, doing some stuff with his label Old Soul. So yeah, man, stay, stay tuned for that. I've got a playlist coming, calling it Dopamine. Um, and what I want to do is just take like 
25 to 30 of the warmest like calmest nicest tracks from the hip-hop numbers weekly playlist and just chuck them on this and just like i did it i called it dopamine and like last night i put uh, motherless by killer mike on it and i'm listening to it and you know beautiful like lyricism beautiful production beautiful singing but it's a it's a dark song and i was like i don't know you know I don't know. I can't put a song like that on a playlist called Dopamine. You know what I mean? I had a Michi Darko song on there as well, and I was like, it was really quite brutal. I'm like, I don't know if I can have it. So, yeah, man, it's fun. It's 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 gonna be interesting. I'm gonna, yeah, I've got some stuff cooking up, man. I've got some stuff cooking up. But yeah, that's that's me, man. Next week, South by Southwest. Check out my hip hop numbers story because I'm going to be documenting it as I go. It's going to be fucking cool. Hopefully go get to see Red Veil perform. Yeah, man, it'll be fun. Gang, gang, gang. Get LaRange on the show. Who said that? Oh, that's weird. That's weird. Um, someone said get LaRange on the show. Uh, uh, I think it was my dog outside. Who knows? Uh, that would be a fucking cool fucking app, man. Um, but That'd yeah, man. Um, yeah, Ben, big ups, big ups, big ups, Ben on that front, on all those Ws. Uh, really good stuff. I look forward to seeing what you... Uh, catch on south by southwest yep um but yeah i mean nothing on my side nothing nothing i can't beat that so <laughs> shit we're just gonna leave it there ladies and gentlemen we're just gonna leave it fucking there i ain't going to shit i mean i'm hitting up i'm, I'm hopefully hitting up a few shows um in the next couple of few weeks um uh echoes um aforementioned friend of five echo is gonna see her again get some pictures um Hopefully, maybe Otis Mensah, um, friend of 5e again. Uh, me and Ryan want to hit that and uh, hopefully, you know, have a chat with him. Um, if you spun what's good, um, really good, really good interviews with Otis Mensah. We always get something going on that front. And uh, one of my favorite apps on, on, you know, the whole show that I've, you know, <laughs> had for fucking how's it nearly been now? Five years, maybe. Um, yeah, me and me and Ryan interviewing him for for that episode was um, really really fun and uh, just really enjoyable. So if we could do that in person, that'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, there's a couple more. Um, maybe maybe like TK Mizer. Um, she's coming through, and obviously she's dropping a new album, so that'd be you know perfect. And it's actually reasonably priced. I thought it'd be um, um of a dumb price, but it's actually really good. So um, shout out to her on that front. May or may not see her. Jaden Clover, Madison McFerrin, um, and there's a couple next year that I want to hit as well, but that's, you know, for when we get to it. Um, and since Ben's coming through in late February, I'm, I still need to find some shows on that front. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I'm, that's, that's all I'm, that's all I'm thinking about. I just, I just want to, I just want to, you know, just get some solid work, do some photography. Um, I've been building up a little project, um, for myself so i'm gonna drop that soon i'm gonna make a photo book for myself of the best of my best shit this year i did one last year and i completely fucking adore it i i rarely look at it but i just just i know it's there and i know what's in it and i just i just subjectively adore it um so yeah man that's 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 all my thoughts out there, uh, uh drowning out of this week um yeah it's just a bunch of um minor positives in um I mean, what is already getting fucking cold over here? The way the weather fucked up this week is crazy. It went from like twenty degrees last week, right? Oh, really odd, really odd. Twenty twenty five degrees one day, not early October, never heard of, right? And now it's just like it's gonna be two degrees tonight. 
Fuck off. It's oh, crazy. Man. Oh, when it comes going, to England, it's it too cold, man. Fuck. Yeah, I you, why? Yeah, uh, in it, I said this before. Why? I don't know why you pick fucking late February. Nut job. Fucking look. The story. Boy. The truth <laughs> is. The truth is. Okay, I I planned to come. I told my parents I'm gonna come to. I'm gonna go to London in February. It was. I didn't book anything. So things were happening in my personal life that were very intense. So I went away and dealt with them for a couple of weeks. And then I came back and mum said, oh, you know, we've booked. So they, they piggyback on my trip. So they go to Ireland and then they're coming to London um, for the last four days. So they're piggybacking on my trip, right? And they just booked everything. And then they're like, all right, you better book now because we've booked. And I'm like, hang on a sec. I did not commit to coming in February. I'm like, that was a that was a knee-jerk reaction. Why you put February in the, Bro, in the, in the that in was the a sphere? Knee- Why did you say February? Was, Why did you say May or June? I, like- it was all I could... I don't know why. I don't know why. I just chose August, September. Like, oh. Well, it had to, be, had to be during the Premier League season. So I have to go. I'll go, go get Tottenham. But <laughs> yeah, like, uh, bro. And so then they're just like, all right. April. Book. So I booked I booked for 20th of February. And bro, I'm, I am a skinny motherfucker. I cannot put on weight. I'm going to freeze to death. It is going to be... Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. At least I get to wear a lot of beanies, but you know that's that's yeah, about yeah. all. Per, per, uh, perpetual beanie wearing, four layers minimum. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Let me lay it up. And then and then the glorious experience of having minus degree weather, and then going down on the underground and it being like twenty five degrees down there. Love it. Be, Just be... great experience of the extreme change in heat. It's gonna be great. As soon as you go down the escalator, you're gonna be feeling it. You'll be like, "Oh fuck!" I'm yeah, gonna get so yeah. sick. I'm gonna get the flu or some <laughs> shit. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you're fucked. I'm not gonna lie to you. You're um, <laughs> 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 we'll see what we can do, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, uh, we shall leave it there. From the five VPN, it's been digging digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter for Pop Numbers. Continuing our UK BHM series for the month of October. Uh, I think we have two more. Yep, two, no, yep, two more, two more on the 24th and the 31st. So look forward to those. Um, we got a kind of 2000s-ish um, artist and one all the way back from the 80s. So that's going to be fun. Really covering the ground uh, that I feel like we should. And with that said... Hope you all have a good week. We should always try and do the same. Until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace Mini Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to your music for the ability to use. Socials of Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, Central Music will be in the full show notes, as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5e PM production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time as we continue our UK BHM series on Digging Digits. Digging Digits.